folding pocket. The Fast and the Curious is part of the Acast Creators Network. You enjoy it now. Hello, welcome back to The Fast and the Curious with me, Bessie Glover. Me, Christian Hugill. And me, Team Principal Greg James. We're all back. The summer break is over. Great work on keeping things ticking over over the summer break when even the drivers couldn't be asked. <laughs> Loved the F1 Academy episode with Chloe Grant and Harry Benjamin. That brilliant chat with Alex Brundle last week. My God, we've had some great reaction about that. It was just a, well, I'm going to use a lazy analogy, lifting up the bonnet of, of motorsport and having a little oh, fiddle around with it all. I like it. <laughs> That was a great episode. Enjoy it. It was sort of mad. We we really got in the weeds, as you heard, but was it, it wasn't boring to listen to, no? No, I loved it. And I loved listening to it from like a normal listener's perspective, obviously not being on it. I was like, God, these, these guys are good. They got something good going if you, on. <laughs> well, if you missed it last week, we were joined by Alex Brundle and he, he talked all about how much it would cost to become a Formula One driver and many other things as well. It was exactly the sort of thing I wanted to to crack open when we started doing this show. Welcome to The Fast and the Curious, a Formula One podcast hosted by Betty Glover, Christian Hugill, and the Formula One drivers. And my God, this break has felt so long, Christian. Do you, what, what do you normally do, do during the summer break? Do you hibernate like a little hedgehog? Yeah, I just, I just sleep entirely until it comes back, and then I wake up seven minutes before free practice on the first Friday back, and then I'm, and I find <laughs> some nuts because I've, that I kept from before. And then I, I refuel and then I'm and then I'm ready for free practice one and I'm back again and I sort of go, Ah yeah, that's that's just literally what I do. It does feel long, doesn't it? It does feel long. And actually, do you know what? Life goes through its ups and downs, doesn't it? Everyone knows. And I did have a nice thing the other week of thinking Oh, I'm looking forward to the distraction of Formula One again this weekend. I, it's a there will be a lot of people like me who, throughout their lives, F1 has been that bit of escapism on a Sunday when, no matter what's going on, you can sit there and lose yourself for a few hours at the weekend. And I could do with that at the moment. So I think there'll be a lot of people like me who are just like, "Oh, it's a nice thing to have back. I do miss it when it's not there." Go on, then give us a bit of news. What's what's happened? What do we need to know? Breaking news, Christian Hugill on the scene. Let's start with something that sort of reflects from last week. Because we mentioned, Greg, to use your lovely analogy, we we sort of went behind the bonnet of motorsport. And the way we did that was with... (laughs) Under the bonnet. Yeah, you don't go behind a bonnet, do you? I should know that. Behind the bonnet is just the driving seat. Our F1 expert, everybody. Yeah, well, I I am an F1 expert that doesn't know an awful lot about cars. I know a lot about F1. (laughs) Other cars baffle me a little bit. And I'm largely because I'm I'm not particularly interested. But we were obviously talking about F2 and the road to F1... And we've got some news that Robert Schwartzman will drive for Ferrari this weekend. A name you might not have heard of in free practice one. He'll replace Carlos Sainz in just free practice one. Carlos will still be racing. And then he'll also drive in in Charles Leclerc's car in a future free practice one session, most likely Abu Dhabi. Why? Just just to give him a little go or, or what? <laughs> What's the point? I don't understand. There's a bit more thought process to it than we'll give him a go. Yeah, we'll give him a nice little go, <laughs> won't we? Why, little, he's a nice little, young little man. little day out for him. <laughs> so... As to who Robert is, he's been part of the Ferrari Driver Academy since 2017. We, uh, something we covered last week, Greg, is is that if you win F2, you don't take part in it again. But that also counts for being really successful in it. You don't necessarily have to win it to sort of for people to think, 
I've completed it, mate. So he left F2 in 2021, having finished runner-up to Oscar Piastri. And back in the day, F1 teams used to have loads of testing outside race weekends, but it cost an absolute bloody fortune and it wasn't very environmentally friendly. So that's not allowed anymore. So instead, the 10 teams, all 10 of them, have to give a minimum of two free practice one sessions to a young driver, in Ferrari's case, like Robert, who's part of their academy throughout the season. So now we're into the second part of the season and everyone sort of knows what they're doing a bit more in terms of the 2023 car. You can expect to see lots of the teams, because they've got to, between now and the end of the season, give time to drivers who might well be handy in the future. It's their time to impress, basically, and, and get them in the car for, for, you know, potentially we could see them in the car more often in the future. Hmm. I didn't know that, that that was allowed. And also... Robert Schwartzman sounds like one of those weird little shirt shops you might find on Savile Row. Oh, it does. <laughs> I got a lovely belt from Robert Schwartzman. It was very reasonably priced. It was at a sale. Yeah. I imagine that Robert Schwartzman's friends with, uh, what's he called? Oswald Boateng. Yeah. And, and actually he's driving for Haas in FP1 in Japan. So I want to keep an eye out there. <laughs> so what will Carlos Sainz do then during free practice one? Have a <laughs> <laughs> So let's go. <laughs> come on, guys. Let's hey take this seriously. This is the end of the summer break. <laughs> this is serious. This is a serious Formula One podcast. What will Carlos Sainz be doing? Well, uh, the the official answer is he'll probably be looking at data, and you'll see him at the back of the garage, and he'll be looking at what can be learned from the other drivers in FP1. I think the real answer is won't be doing an awful lot if we're being brutally honest. So what we're, what we're saying is, even though I was being coarse and disgusting, that he might actually might be one of the things he does end up doing. Greg, are you all right? You can't, you can't write it off, can you? <laughs> What's wrong with you? No, 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 listen. You can't tell me for certain that when Carlos Sainz is in his little trailer, <laughs> he's not having a... I can say... With, I can say with some certainty, as the podcast F1 geek... This is an F1 podcast. <laughs> that during free practice one, while Robert Schwartzman is driving his car, Carlos will probably not be doing that, okay? Well... That's, I'm fairly convinced. I'm as, I'm as sure as I can be. Look, let's not shame. It's a very natural thing to do. I'm just, saying, yeah, I'm sure. just wondering, wondering whether, mm. you know, it relieves tension or... I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just I just can't wait for like F1 fans to be like, right, the season's back up and running. Let's go and find a Formula One podcast to just get me going. And then they come across this. Well, <laughs> Welcome. Okay, let's move on. Uh, not to some Formula One stuff just yet, because nothing's actually happened. But Betty's 30 before 30 list, which you mentioned at the end of the F1 Academy special, which I, when I was listening to it, I thought, okay, we need to know more about that, please. <sighs> so... One of them you want to do is a skydive. What are the other exciting oh, things on that Do you really list, want to know? Yeah. Well, I'll have to get it up. Hold on. A bit like Carlos in FP1. <laughs> I, I wrote this back in 2018, so some of them are a bit weird. I'm not going to read them all to you, but... Read the weirdest one. Plant a plant. Plant a plant. Um, Setting the bar quite low, are we? <laughs> have you planted a plant yet? <laughs> no, no. Um, cook... Oh, come on. You can go and do that now. <laughs> cook dinner for my friends. Haven't haven't done that before. So basically, we've got plant something and cook a meal. Is that the level of... <laughs> no, there's some, there's a lot more ones. Like, um, do a headstand. Go to the cinema on my own. Sorry, have you... Have you not done Have you not done any of these ones? Uh, not that... I've done a headstand. I've bought a house. 
I interviewed a Premier League player. Yeah. I've presented a podcast. Been to Aldi. (laughs) Glastonbury, haven't done that. Go to America, haven't done that. (laughs) (laughs) Why are you laughing? It's great because it really oscillates between ridiculously mundane rubbish things like plant a plant to go to America, do a podcast, interview a Premier League footballer. But you're, I guess that's what life is, isn't it? You know, the high and the low. What, what, what? Give us some of the more mundane ones. I like those. They're fun. <laughs> do the splits? Is oh, that mundane? <laughs> How many of these things are sort of things that you might do in PE? Or primary school generally, i.e. plant a plant. <laughs> <laughs> I never did the splits and VE. Um, Are you accidentally reading your 13 before 13? What am I supposed to have uh, on there? Well, let me let me read mine. Hang on. Do you, you don't. Plant a plant. <laughs> drink a drink. <laughs> well, if, if anyone has any good suggestions, I've got like a year and a bit left. So <laughs> if there's anything realistic. By the sounds of it, at least 20 spaces of things to do. <laughs> 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 Oh, maybe maybe drive a Formula One car. Maybe maybe sit in sit in a Formula One car. Yeah, sit like in. A, I'll write that. I'll add that on. Well, it's a fantastic list, and I, I knew there'd be something ridiculous on there. <laughs> so let's get back to the racing. It is back this week. Formula One is heading to Zandvoort for the Dutch Grand Prix. So Christian, give us a little summary of where we were when the summer holiday started. What do we need to dive back into? Was there a dramatic cliffhanger or not really? Well, there wasn't any cliffhanger, was there, in terms of who's the quickest team? We know it's a case of when rather than if Max wins the title and Red Bull wins the title. For me, the most interesting part of the season is the battle for second. And we still don't know really who the second quickest team is. It's ebbed and flow between Ferrari, Mercedes, Aston, McLaren are up there for a, for a couple of races. But interestingly to me, Mercedes have a, around a 50-point gap to Aston Martin in the Constructors' Championship. So they'll want to firm that up. And I think one of the big reasons they've got that is because their drivers have done the best job. You know, Lewis and George don't leave many points on the table. So the the battle for second will be really interesting. You mentioned McLaren. Do you think that they're going to carry on with their surge of good form? Well, it it looked like they would. You remember when we were at Silverstone and they had an amazing weekend uh, and and we heard them in the garage, didn't we, say, our car's good around the quick circuit, so let's wait until we get to Hungary. And they did really well in Hungary. Uh, Lando was second, his second, second in a row at that stage. Oscar was fifth. If McLaren can show the form they showed in Silverstone in Hungary which they didn't quite in Belgium, then I think that battle for seconds is going to be even more interesting. And we've got the potential for some fantastic racing between, if you think of the drivers in that mix, you have, you know, Alonso with Aston, Hamilton, Mercedes, Russell and Norris and Piastri, not to mention the Ferraris. And sometimes, by the way, in F1, when the title has been done and dusted, we've still had some classic, brilliant races because it's a bit like end of term fun. So we could get some really good, fun races, even though Max is home and dry and McLaren being up there could only help that. We need some good, fun, classic races, I think. Long overdue. Yeah, I mean, and there's potential. There really is potential because Monza's often total chaos. That's coming up. A couple of races after that that's, that's often thrown up some classics. Japan and Brazil have both got the potential to be quite weather-interrupted, particularly Japan. Hmm. I like the old-school circuits, like your Australia Albert Parks, Japan, Brazil. 
and we've got some really good old school races like them coming up. So uh, as I've said, I think we've had a lot of five, six out of ten races this year that have been pretty good, but not spectacular. I, I'm begging to the F1 gods, to the to whoever the F1 gods are in heaven. I'm thinking sort of Murray Walker, James Hunt, who are the, who are the F1 gods looking down on us. I'm praying to you guys up there. Give us some. F1 classics for the second half of the season. Who's going to be most well-rested? Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc, because he's been playing the piano. Oh, yeah. he Wasn't he on Classic FM the other day? They played him on Classic FM, didn't they? Yeah. They made a real big deal out of that Classic FM did, of having an exclusive... And it was it was done in that really old person. So we've got a motor racing driver. Yeah. Formula <laughs> One racer, Charles Leclerc, who plays the piano, don't you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's quite exciting for, for him to be on Classic FM. I wonder if he was... A, I don't think he was a guest. I think he just played his song didn't they where else were these drivers so there's a picture of George Russell with Daniel Ricciardo in uh, in Ibiza and then I think Lando Norris was hanging out with Martin Garrix and Martin Garrix is friends with Max Verstappen isn't he because because Dutch and famous oh I think the the biggest maniac on the grid for just like relax please Valtteri Bottas doing a, like a bicycle race. Uh, was he? Yeah, well dressed as Duffman from The Simpsons. It, we are in the Valtteri Bottas start raving mad era, which I love. Yeah. Dresses up as stuff, grows a moustache. He loves it. Valtteri doesn't care anymore what people think. I think we should all aim to live our lives more like Valtteri Bottas, I think. <laughs> he was doing a thing called the SBT Gravel, which is a, a world-class gravel race held in Colorado. That's what he was doing on his week off. He was racing. He needs to take a break. <laughs> but this, but they all do this. It's like when we had Max on the podcast and it's like, what do you do when you're off? And he went, I'm in the sim. So they, when they're off racing, they just race something else or they practice racing. Where George Russell on? George did it with his ice racing, didn't he? There's a great comment on Valtteri's post about his gravel race. A guy called uh, Jose just says... Bottas just doing some Formula One Grand Prix as side quests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is. That's very much the sort of most boring part of Valtteri Bottas's personality is that he's a Formula One driver. Yeah. So go on, and who, who's most who's well rested then? Who's go, who's going to come back from their break just being like, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to go for it. Who's going to be most up for this next next half of the season? The big fight. Well, Daniel Ricciardo. I don't think he'll have done much resting. So while the others have switched off. Daniel's sort of already done his switching off in the first mm. half of the year. Interesting point. And I think he will have spent a lot of time over the summer break getting his head into gear, getting his fitness on. He looked impressive pace-wise in that Alpha Tower shopping trolley of a car in the first <laughs> couple of races he did. And I think for him, it's like, right, my friends, this is my audition. If I'm going to be in F1 next year, whether it's I'm going to nick Sergio's seat, whether I'm going to tempt someone into giving me a, a more competitive seat for the season after next, he used to have a, a, an expression called lick the stamp and send it. I think we're <laughs> going to see full Daniel Ricciardo, ballsy, lick the stamp and send it, got nothing to lose for the second half of the season because it's his audition for next year, isn't it? Something just popped into my head then that obviously... The drivers are still allowed to do stuff. They're allowed to work on their fitness. But we spoke to Randy, who works at McLaren, who had to down tools. Everyone who works behind the scenes has to close their emails, not allowed to email, not allowed to tinker with stuff. But the drivers are allowed to do fitness. Are they allowed to drive anything? Are they Obviously, they can't drive the Formula 1 car, but are they allowed to do the sim and stuff? No, not the sim. Right. But certainly, there would be nothing stopping them going and having fun in another racing category. But no, they're not allowed to do any sim work. 
they're not allowed to watch old F1 DVDs. They're not allowed to play F1 2000 on the PlayStation. <laughs> it's a strict ban yeah. from all F1 activity. Hang on, but they might have a sim at home. Are they surely allowed to use a sim at home? No. no one a, stop them. No, a, a stern looking man comes in and waits in front of it and goes, no, I'm afraid not. No, come on. Surely they must be allowed to use a sim if they've got it in their houses. They might have a sim in terms of a a game or something but they wouldn't they genuinely wouldn't be allowed to do any form of simulation that could help them on the circuit no. i'm being slightly facetious with not being allowed to watch dvds or play on the playstation <laughs> we've heard about the cameras haven't we yeah they can't just do what you did greg and break your summer isolation when you decided to come back no because you true. fancied it they they're much stricter on themselves than you are greg james they should go they should really be strict and then say they're not allowed to drive to the supermarket and stuff you're not allowed to watch traffic cops on the telly <laughs> nothing to do <laughs> yeah, with that exactly. tv don't look at that car you might get ideas should we talk about the actual racing this weekend then what 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 is it going to be like, Christian? What can we expect from Zandvoort? What should we be looking out for? It's it's a real roller coaster of a track. And what that means is it flows from one section to another. So one little mistake can be costly in the next part of the circuit, in the next part of the circuit. And because it's a small, tight, twisty track, you can really lose momentum quickly. And again, because it's a small, tight, twisty track, mistakes are really punished hard. But it's tricky to overtake. And if you go off, you're going to hit a wall because it is tight so it's it could be it could be entertaining example it's a real unique track who do you think is going to do well there aside from max verstappen who who are the driver what style of driver would do very well there Mm, excellent question Uh, it's one way you're going to have to rely on your experience i think I think if you're it's a unique challenge zanvort so an alonso or a hamilton i would suggest would be in a good position and because it's tricky to overtake, anyone who's got that little bit of extra bravery could make the difference. So again, it might be a sort of Daniel Ricciardo into turn one, lick the stamp and send it scenario. So many listener questions, as always, from Instagram. Remember, you can get in touch. Fast, curious, pod, if you want to ask us anything. Um, quite a lot, Christian, have come in ahead of this. So Megan said, at what point will teams stop developing this season's car and move on to 2024, which I think is a really good question. It's a really good question. Most teams already have stopped developing this year's car to an extent. Certainly Red Bull have. But what you've got to remember is the rules and regulations are very stable from this season to next season. So while next season's cars will be new cars, they will be evolutions of this year's rather than revolutions. So I wouldn't expect too many more upgrades on anything where the tech can't be carried on into next season. So I think most teams now, unless probably maybe a Ferrari and that who are trying desperately to claw the way up a bit, maybe. But I think most teams now are going to be saying any upgrades now have got to be relevant into next season. Christian, there's a question here from Susanna about Zanvoort. And it's about your most memorable Grand Prix there. Because it's not a particularly well-known circuit, is it? Zandvoort doesn't feel famous in the in the pantheon of great circuits. Or am I just being ignorant? You are both right and wrong. Good place to be. Yeah. But, the, it, well, the Dutch Grand Prix wasn't held between 1986 and 2020. So it was a historic track that had been around for a while 
but was bought back because of the Max Verstappen factor. Let's be totally honest about this. If Max wasn't racing in F1, we wouldn't be going to Zandvoort. It's realistically too old to host a modern F1 race. A bit like Monaco. And some of the ones from the olden days at Zandvoort were fantastic. So a little bit of F1 history... Susanna's question was, what's my most memorable Grand Prix at Zandvoort? Well, despite the fact I was born in 1991, I'd like to pick the 1975 Dutch Grand Prix. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone was expecting a Ferrari win, right? It was a proper era of Ferrari domination. But instead, it was the first win for one of my F1 heroes. I mentioned him in one of the live shows we did at Silverstone. The British legend James Hunt. He was driving for a proper underdog team, Hesketh. He got his first win at the 1975 Dutch Grand Prix. He became a legend of F1. So, it, Greg, yeah, if, you, if you're new to F1 in the last few years or you drive to Survivor, you won't know it too well. But mm. people like my dad, who we met at Silverstone, who's been watching F1 since the 60s and into the 70s, will be like, oh, we're back at Zandvoort. So it, it, I, it's nice we're back at Zandvoort because really F1 cars shouldn't be going around it anymore, but they are. Uh, a circuit that was very dear to me because I grew up in, in Bromley, and I went and watched some stuff at Brands Hatch. I loved that place. It was amazing. I, I, so I, did a, I did a rally driving thing for my birthday once there. And Brands Hatch is always quite a special place. It's got that old-fashioned nostalgia to it as well. Massively. And you'll see from the TV pictures, like, there's gravel runoffs. And it looks... They've obviously put money into it now. F1's come back. But it looks a bit tired. It's certainly not the glitz and glamour of, like the Bahrain circuit or the Shanghai circuit where they've brought in these new modern things. And yeah, it's got a little bit of nostalgia about it, sort of like the, like Spa does, like the Hungarian Grand Prix does. It's an old school circuit that I've got a lot of time for as a historic F1 fan. So I like it a lot. Do you think, just a quick quick one before we just do, do another question from a listener. Do you think that the British Grand Prix will always be at Silverstone or could it go somewhere else? Well, nowadays, F1 management are saying, are making very warm words about Silverstone's historic place on the calendar and there was a quote around the British Grand Prix from someone at F1 I can't remember who it was saying they don't envisage it going so at the moment Silverstone's place in F1 seems quite nicely secure but but over the last five ten years there's been some proper dramatic moments where it looked like Silverstone was going to lose the British Grand Prix so fortunately that seems to have settled because a historically it should be on the calendar it's a you know, it was the first ever season of F1. It's it's iconic. And B, it's a bloody brilliant racetrack. And for all we're making these circuits like Miami, we've got to keep going to the old school racing tracks like Spa and Silverstone that are just fantastic for racing. Where else in the UK would you have one then? If it wasn't Silverstone, where would it go? That's a big part of the reason why it is fairly safe at Silverstone, because as we speak right now, there is no other circuit in the country, in the UK that could hold the British Grand Prix. So Silverstone isn't going anywhere anytime soon. It's more likely that Britain wouldn't have a race if Silverstone stopped than it goes somewhere else. Okay, next question from Rachel. We've kind of spoken about this a little bit, but what parts of the Zandvoort circuit are best for overtakes? She says she's going to be there this weekend as well. So she wants some tips from you. Two parts to this. The best part for overtaking is down into turn one. The way to overtake into turn one is get a good run out of the final corner, which is banked. One of the very few banked corners in Formula One. So if you're a wider motorsport fan, think when Formula One went to Indianapolis and think the Indy 500, where the cars in sort of NASCAR famously go up the banked circuits and and you get that in IndyCar too. Or like, or br- like Brooklands. Or like Brooklands. Thank you. Zandvoort has a banked corner 
And I would, if, if I could pick anywhere in the world to go and stand on a corner and watch an F1 car, Zanvoort's banked final corner would be right up there. So Rachel asks where she should go and watch. In one of the practice sessions, go and watch the cars on the banking because that would be spectacular. And then if you want to see overtaking, go down into turn one at the end of the start-finish straight and where on Sunday we will see most of the overtaking. Team, I'm going to leave you because I have to go and have dinner with my wife. Oh, have fun, Greg. So I, I shouldn't have said have to. Uh, would love to have dinner with my wife. You're choosing to. But enjoy the rest of the podcast. I'm excited to hear the chat with Danny, who's a big Max Verstappen fan and is going to the race, right? Absolutely. Yeah, she is. What, what are you having for your dinner before we go? We're going to... Uh, there's a little Indonesian restaurant. Ooh. That's nice. Oh, lovely. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, lovely. lovely. Noodles coming my way. Greg, go and enjoy your dinner out. We'll speak to you next week. Chat after the Grand Prix. Chat after the Grand Prix. Chat after the Grand Prix. Bye, Greg. Cheers. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. As Greg mentioned, we are being joined by a massive Max Verstappen fan, Danny. Danny, thanks so much for joining us. Um, I kind of expected you to be wearing orange, to be honest, but you've let me down. You're, you're there in a blue T-shirt. Don't worry, I will be on the weekend. Also, better you say you're slightly disappointed. Maybe go easy on Danny. She's an actual nurse and is in her actual nursing outfits. Like, she's saving lives and you're like, I'm a bit disappointed you're not in orange. I, I'm a vet, so not, not human lives. Oh, you're a vet, Danny. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if Lewis Hamilton has got his own vet for Roscoe. Oh, interesting. We could get you a job in F1. I mean, I would be up for that if you want to pass my CV on. <laughs> okay, we'll pass you. We'll pass you on to Mercedes. We we'll get you. You could be F1's resident vet. It'd be great. Perfect. <laughs> or Alex Albon's pet. You should go be there now. I could just move into Alex's house. Oh, but you'd need you'd need to take your whole surgery with you with all the Albon family <laughs> pets. Good luck. Doesn't he has? I think at last count, 117 cats, 15 horses, 12 goats, and an octopus. <laughs> so you'd need a lot. Meet Christian. Hi. Um, D- Danny, can I ask you a question? Um, uh, so you're a massive Max fan. I'm obviously, I'm a massive Formula One fan in general. I've never massively leaned from driver to driver. You must be loving this season. And are you getting fed up with everyone going, oh, it's the same winner. You just must be having the time of your life. Yeah, it's a great season. He's literally not putting a foot wrong. So it's great to see and sort of um, shows up the people who have criticised him in the past, I think. Why are you a massive Max fan then? Other than, you know, putting aside the fact that he's just really good. Why why do you love him? Um, I think Max can always be relied upon for some drama one way or another. So I think he's just a really exciting driver to watch. Um, and I love the Red Bull strategy. I think you can always rely on them for a good strategy. They never seem to make silly calls. I agree with you that even off track, Max gets a lot of stick for being himself. And I love that Max is so unashamedly himself. I, You know, for example, when we were at Silverstone and the world was getting excited about them shooting the film, who's starring in the film, Betty, that we got excited because we saw, remind me? Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, thank you. And we got, me and Betty got excited because Brad Pitt was on. Jimmy's shaking his head at me, but I don't care. I'm like, Max. <laughs> I'm like, Max. Yeah, whatever, in many ways. But everyone was getting really excited and then Max was asked about it and he was just like no I don't care about it really I think that's brilliant (laughs) he just says what he's thinking I think it's great presumably that's one of the things you love about him Danny yeah he doesn't he doesn't care what people think he just does it does his own thing have you always been a Max fan yeah since since his um his first season to be honest since the uh the Monaco Grand Prix when he was sneaking around people with the with the blue flags that that was when I started to really like Max um 
And I was lucky enough to be in Malaysia for his second ever win as well. So that was pretty good. You are an F1 fan then, Danny, heading off to Malaysia. Wow, I am full of admiration for that (laughs) at Sepang. That must have been a great, great track in Malaysia as well. I missed that on the calendar. Yeah, it was fantastic. We went to, it was the last, the last ever race that was, that was held there in 2017. But you're going to Zanfort. When do you fly? Friday morning, do you? Uh, Yeah, we're going, we're going on the ferry. So we get the, get the ferry Friday morning. You're getting the ferry. That's very good. We get a lot of very new F1 fans to this podcast and and there are some who are following their first ever season in F1. For anyone who's never quite seen the Zanvoort fan experience on telly and heard stories from fans like yourself who've been... Tell us what you're expecting, even though I know you've not... Have you been before? No, we've, we we meant to go, but after COVID, they rearranged um, the Zanfort, the first one, to my wedding day, so we didn't get to go. Yeah, for, good excuse. Fair enough excuse. Fair <laughs> enough excuse. But uh, explain what you're expecting from what we've all seen, those of us who've watched Zanfort races before, because it looks wild. I Yeah, I'm expecting a lot of orange. Yeah, orange everywhere. Do you have, like, orange head-to-toe clothes? I've got my... I've got an orange Max Verstappen t-shirt. I've got my orange sunglasses. So nearly there on the head to toe. I love that. Now, look, I've got a bit of a surprise for you both. For me as well. Yeah, I mean, mean, I'll be honest, it's not an amazing surprise. Like, I'm not just going to wheel out Max Verstappen right now to meet you. But we are going to play an emergency Beat the Christian. Oh, God, not a... Not a bloody game. Because <laughs> we haven't played it for ages. So I kind of want to put both of your kind of Max Verstappen knowledge to the test. Is that all right? Yeah. What if I say no? Well, Christian, you've got to play along because you've got an ego as well and you need to win. So <laughs> it is a quiz. Let's see who knows about him more. And the winner is whoever gets the sort of closest answer. Okay. Okay. Question number one. How old was Max when he won his first Formula One race? I think he was 18. I was going to go 17. I think he was 17 when he made his debut and 18 when he won his first race, but I could be wrong. 18 years, 228 days. <gasps> I'm sorry, Daddy. I don't like being beaten in these, so I do get and I do get pleased with myself when I'm one. I can only, <laughs> but I, I'm I'm not a competitive person in any area of my life other than this <laughs> stupid game they make me play. So, uh, so apologies in advance. Christian just jumped off his chair. Okay, Danny, come on, you've got this. How many languages can he speak fluently? Three. I've spoke to him about this and I was going to say, I was going to say three or four. I've had a conversation with him about this. So you said three, Danny. I think it's Dutch, German and English. Uh, In that case, I'll go four because I was going to go three or four. So for the purpose of Betty's format, I'll go four. What are the languages, Christian? Oh, do I need to say the languages as well? Yeah, go on. Give me the languages. Dutch, German, English and does he know a bit of... Italian, uh, no, Spanish? No, so Christian won that because it is four, but he can speak Dutch, English, German and French. He lives in Monaco. He lives in Monaco. Yeah, I was talking between Spanish and French. Of course, he lives in Monaco. We, I spoke to him about that. I had a conversation with him about that in Bahrain a couple of years ago where I had no idea. And the person next to me with the camera just asked him a question. And it was so impressive the way they just went, uh, and in Italian, Max. And he just did it again. And I'm like, oh my God, these guys are just so talented. It's just insane. Right. What is his younger sister called? 
Oh, no, I haven't the faintest idea. It's a hard question. Hard question. Marjorie Verstappen. <laughs> Danny, do you ever guess? Uh, Susie. Victoria. Uh, like Christian Horner's... No, 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 sorry. I was going to say something wrong. That's a different Spice Girl. No, carry on. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of Victoria Beckham. Anyway, right. Two more questions. Christian, you are winning this. Danny, you're going to have to get your head in the game. <laughs> How many podiums has Max been on in his career? Oh, God. Uh, well, hang on, give me a minute. I'm trying to do maths in my head. Come on, I need a fast answer. No mathematical, just give me the number. All right, all right, f- 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 uh, 41. Danny? Oh, I was going to go more than that. I was going to go 100. Danny wins. It is 89. Is it that many already? That's insane. Yeah, well, he's had 40-odd wins, so yeah, of course. that's. Well, Danny, you take that one. So this, this is, you've got to win this one, Danny, okay? What is the total amount of points he's earned across his whole career? Oh, get out. What a ridiculous, ludicrous, stupid question on a stupid podcast <laughs> about a stupid sport. How am I supposed to know that? Just a rough answer. Go on, Danny. 500. Well, it's got to be higher than that because you get 25 for a win and he's had 80-odd podiums. So if he, I've got to be closest. All right, I'll go 501. 2,325. I was closer. <laughs> yeah, just. <laughs> Danny, you've let yourself down, mate, honestly. I'm sorry. Like Max Dell. I had high hopes for you. Shows you that, he's, shows that he's, he's all right at this F1 lark, isn't he, Danny? Pretty good. Pretty good. Danny, what are you most excited about about the weekend before we let you go? Seeing Max win his home race for the third time in a row. Good answer. I tell you what, Danny, you should come back on uh, and, and tell us what you thought of it. I'd really like to hear from someone about what it's like being in the scrum of Max fans and the orange flares and the noise. So will you, will you come back on next week and tell us what it was like? Absolutely. And I can tell you, my husband's a Mercedes fan, so I'll let you know how he found it as well. Oh, that's exciting. Oh, obviously, obviously, Max is probably going to be on the podium, of course. Who do you think, who else will be there? What's your prediction? I think Lando will get on there as well. I'd like to see that. And you mentioned that you should have gone to the Dutch Grand Prix on your wedding day with your Mercedes fan husband. So you'll be getting divorced at the Dutch Grand Prix as well. So it'll come full circle this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) You're laughing a lot, but you're not denying it. No, there was no (laughs) denial there. The last race we went to was Silverstone 21 and we were sat on the corner when Lewis smashed Max into a wall. So we survived that. Well, if the relationship survived that, it's a bloody strong relationship. I can tell you. Good Lord. Well, Danny, listen, it's great to have you on um i i apologize for beating you in the quiz um but i do feel pressure given if i lose any of these quizzes greg will kick me off the podcast so i can only apologize i have to bring my a game but listen speak to you next week and have the best weekend will do thanks very much guys bye danny thank you thanks danny And that was Danny, and that's Betty Glover, was this week's The Fast and the Curious. That was a whirlwind of an adventure, wasn't it? From your list under 30 to playing a quiz to Greg making us laugh with his rudeness. That was quite, seems like quite an adventure this week. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised we got past the first five minutes, to be honest with you, because I don't think any of us could hold it together, but we did it. Well, we'll be back after the Grand Prix. I'm very excited for it to return. We'll pop back next week. I'll tell you what I can tell you coming soon to The Fast the curious oh go a on celebrity guest i'm gonna say no more than that you do love a tease and also this one's quite exciting but yeah look forward to that firstly and then get in touch with us fast curious pod instagram tiktok um and let us know what you think about this weekend's race because racing's back for me 
from Betty, from producer Jimmy, from Greg James, who will by now be having a lovely meal out with his lovely wife, and from Danny, who's about to get on a ferry. <laughs> Bye, and we'll be back next week. Bye. <laughs> You're the most partridge person.